We just want to worship you today with our mind, with our thoughts, with our spirit, with our soul, with our whole hearts this morning. So, Lord God, um, we just want to worship you this whole entire season, God. We don't want to lose our focus. Just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, we lit the candle of hope. Last week, we lit the candle of peace. Today, this is the candle of love. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, from Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. How's everybody doing? Good. Good, good. So uh, last night was fun. I don't know uh, who all made it out. I think majority of us made it out uh, to the Christmas party, Agape's annual Christmas party, hosted by George and Margot at their place, and we had a blast. Um, if you guys weren't there, let me tell you something. You missed a trio. Actually, a few trios, but you missed the trio. You missed Pastor Henry, George, technically almost, and Dean doing a solo, a cappella. I mean, it was it was pretty awesome, and it was in Greek, so it, it was pretty awesome. But we had a we had a lot of fun, and so we were very grateful uh, for George and Margot to host that and to put it on and to facilitate it. The food was amazing, uh, as it is always in Agape's culture, right? We're a multi-ethnic church, and so we love it, especially because the food is good, right? All right, All right so uh, two weeks ago, Rhea introduced Mary to us. Now, a lot of us knew about Mary, and we know about Mary, but she, she, she really spoke to who Mary was and the time that Mary was present. And so she gave us a really great depiction of Mary, her life, and her circumstance. Last week, Rabbi Stewart spoke about Joseph, and we did that intentionally to have Rabbi Stewart, who was a Messianic Jew, to speak about Joseph because he could speak to the Jewish culture, right? This week, we're going to uncap a mystery. It's a mysterious group of people. A group of people that we all know about, but we really don't know about. We've heard of them, we've read about them, 
but we don't know too much of them. This week, we're going to uncap the mystery behind the Magi. Otherwise known to us since we were children as the three kings, right? Three, three kings, right? Or the three wise men. This is why, again, I'm wearing this outfit. I thought it would be fitting because I assume this is what the Magi wore. Now, I don't have gold, frankincense, or myrrh, but it's okay. You can gift that to me this Christmas. All right. But to kick things off, we're going to have a little fun. If you have been at Agape for some time, you know, hey, Kiati knows. He's only been here around 11 months, but he knows that we have an epic feud occurring in the church today. Some of, some of you are shaking your head like, yeah, there is an epic feud, a battle. What that battle is, is youth versus adults. And let me tell you something, me, know myself, and Lantu, we, we came from a long line of youth ministers, and we won every single game. <laughs> we did. I'll ask forgiveness later. All right? We used to battle it out with the adults in kickball, in basketball, in everything, in free throw shooting. Sorry, Adam. All right? We used to battle it out. It used to be epic. And you know what? It was a lot of fun. So today, to kick things off, I figured we've left that tradition behind for some time. We need to pick it back up. So today we're going to do another, another battle, youth versus adults. All right? It's going to be true and false trivia. All right? So you have 50% chance of getting it right, but I need two volunteers. I need one youth volunteer, and I need one adult volunteer. And young adults, you guys count as well, because you are no longer in the youth ministry. Elliot, I will call on you if no youth volunteers. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, so any volunteers for the youth group? Or any youth? Youth is under the age of 18, so 17 and under. Do I see any hands? All right, Elliot, come on up. <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> All right, adults. I mean, there are a lot more of you out there. So adults, um, oh, there we go. Right. <laughs> come on up. You know, why don't you guys come up on stage? Here's one mic. Hype, there's another mic down there. And this is, it's, it's, it's a fun game. Behind me, there's going to be a scorecard. You guys actually have to step in front of me because I, I don't want you seeing the answers. All right? Behind me, there's going to be a scorecard. All right? And, I mean, you're representing the adults, so you got to, you know, represent. And Elliot, we have never lost. <laughs> no pressure. Right? For those who don't know, Elliot is right now leading the youth ministry. So you, if you have youth in your community, um, if you yourself are a youth member within this church, talk to Elliot. He'll be able to let you know about them, let you know more about the ministry. It's, it's really awesome. It's really cool because Elliot also came up from the youth ministry. So that, that's a really awesome thing. All right. So this is the game, guys. I'm going to say a statement, a few statements. And the first person to raise their hand gets the answer, gets the answer, all right? It's true or false. So you have 50% chance. If you don't know, that's fine. 50% chance. But... If you get the answer correct, you get one point, and it'll show up there. If you get the answer wrong, the other team will get the point. All right? Any questions? All right. So now I can't see both of them 
at the same time. So Pastor Henry, you're going to be the judge. All right. So if they raise their hand, you got to tell me who raised the hand first. All right. Okay. Let's get it started. Well. I'm going to give you guys an example first. Um, let's see who knows this. This is just a test. It doesn't count for the score. True or false? My name is Richard. Who was it, Henry? Hi. Right. True or false? In, into the mic. False. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's it. All right. Cool. So let's let's get it started. Now, you as congregating members, this is very applicable to the sermon. As you hear some of the trivia that is going to be spoken, spoken about, and as they answer, and I either give them the correct answer if it's wrong, or if it's right, maybe speak a little bit more about the answer, think about what you have been taught or what you know to be true. All right? So, so let's go. The first two are pretty easy. Well, the first one's definitely easy. True or false, Jesus is the Messiah. Right? True. True. One point for the adults. All right. On the scoreboard. All right. Number two. Jesus was born on December 25th. Right? <laughs> you can't look it up. <laughs> False. That is true. That's good. That's good. Two zero. There we go, man. You gotta get heckled. Just raise your hand. I mean, okay. All right. Number three, the word magic comes from the word magi. I think that was earlier. All right. <laughs> true. That is true. Yeah. All right. The, the, all right. Here's where it gets real now. The Bible tells us three magi visited Jesus. Elliot. Question: The Magi are known to be wise men. Right? 
Two. Yeah, that's right. I think I gave that answer away, but it's all right. It's all right. That's, man, four, four, three, LU. All right. Okay, man. I need to show them some of the answers. No. <laughs> um, the Magi, next question, Magi were extremely influential people. Ooh, I don't know. Huh? Well, you're I, the, I, thought, I thought Elliot. All right, we're, we're going to go um, Henry. Influential people. True. That's true. They were extremely influential people. All right. I don't think you can come back. Oh yeah. The next point is for two points. <laughs> uh, three points. I mean. All right. Here we go. Ready? All magi followed God. Oh. Who? Was that Elliot? Yeah. Oh, do it again. Hands down. Hands to the side. One, two, three. <laughs> okay, we both answer at the same time. True. False. Woo! Ah, uh, that's three points. Oh! <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Now you can put it on the menu before you go. Now you here's a little gift from Agape. Thank you for participating. Merry Christmas. <laughs> all right. That's how. All right, all right. So actually, in truth, the adults won. It's fine for the first time ever. All right. Anyway, some interesting things we learned in that trivia, right? As I was preparing for this sermon, I, I actually asked my mother, what do we know about the Magi? Who are these people? I had no idea of who they are. I mean, I knew who they were in relation to the story, but I didn't know the history. I didn't know the depth. I didn't know who they were. So a recap, we don't know how many Magi visited Christ. We, knew, we know it's more than one, but we don't know if it's three. We got the number three because of the gifts that were presented. Next thing, they were not kings. They kept the company of kings, but they themselves were not kings. They were very wise and influential people. They were strong in math. They were strong in science. They were strong in the supernatural. And not all magi follow God, just like not all humans follow God. The birth of Christ is a story that we have heard so many times. So when we hear something so many times, we tend to tune out. We tend to breeze through it. So come Christmas season, and all these messages are about the birth of Christ, we tend to be bored because we think we already know. But what that does is it makes God one-dimensional. It makes God surface only. It doesn't give a depth to God that is present. To read his verse and read the scripture and assume that there's only one side and one element to the story is completely wrong. We often take the word for granted and with it, Jesus Christ. I stand guilty of doing this. 
especially of, of, of sermons and of stories I have heard many times before. Adam and Eve on board already. Noah, David and Goliath, Jesus' birth. Heard it, been there, seen it, spoke it, read it, done it. We think we know all these stories, but we do not. Nothing in scripture should be taken for granted. There's always something new. The other day, Nino and I had a conversation and we were challenging each other to say, and I was honest with him. I said, man, you know what? The Bible's getting pretty boring to me. Because as I read it, it's just me reading it. I'm not looking into the depths of it. I'm reading the words like I would a novel. I've read the story. I know the outcome. Why should I read it anymore? And so we challenged each other to say, well, let's every week figure out something we do not know and then try to figure it out. Do our investigation, talk to pastors, read up about it. And then when we come back together, we will introduce new mysteries to one another. We will grow in our foundation of knowing who Jesus Christ is and who God is in our life. Keep this in mind as we dive deeper into what the Magi these mysterious biblical characters can teach us about how we follow Jesus Christ. It is amazing. It is awesome. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your iPhones, if you have your iPads, your tablets, pull them out. We're going to be going to Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1, all the way down through verse 12. don't have it, it will be projected behind me. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying to King Herod, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with it, with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he, King Herod, inquired of them, the chief priests and the scribes, where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Israel. It's getting real. Right? Then Herod, verse 7, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, hey, go and search carefully for this child. And when you have found him, 
Report to me so that I may come and worship him also. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Now, I'm not going to talk about the star in this sermon. But I don't believe it was a star. What I believe it was was the angels and the heavens congregating into a window, peering at one item on earth, and that was Jesus. So the power of the Lord was contained within flesh and bone, with blood. The magnificence of the universe was within this tiny baby. And the angels were like, man, I gotta check this out. And so their attention was on it, creating a light that illuminated Jesus' presence. That's my opinion, it's not in the Bible. There we go. All right. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Earlier on, we have debunked some of the folklore, some of the myths that surrounded the Magi. However, the question that remains is who are these Magi according to Scripture? And how does it relate to us? Unless you have been in the presence of kings, it's hard to relate to people who have. We can argue that a king resides within us. Sometimes we forget. The first two points that we're going to make today, that we're going to talk about today, is going to give you some information about the Magi and who they are. The next three points is where you really need to pay attention because we will see how it relates to each and every single one of us. But in truth, all five points, when taken seriously, will drastically change your life. So who are the Magi? Number one, these Magi were extremely influential people. They were powerful. They were well-respected. Verses 1 through 7 in Matthew, in Matthew 2, which we just read, show us their status by the fact that they were able to come before the king. Not only come before the king, but they were able to question the king. And then they were able to fellowship with the king. They were respected by the king. Why? Because when they spoke and asked a question, it worried and scared and influenced the king. Now we're talking about King Herod. And finally, 
we know how powerful and influential they were is because after the king had met with the scribes, he secretly, intimately called a meeting with them. And he asked them for a favor. The Magi were extremely influential and well-respected people. Number two, these specific Magi, right? We, we said not all Magi follow God, but these specific Magi unashamedly were faithful followers of God. They had the courage, the gall, and the nerve to come before a king, King Herod, who was reigning over that land and ask him such a question that challenged his very throne in normal circumstances, in peasant circumstances, in the underclass circumstances, your head would have been chopped off. They came before him and said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Yes, King Herod, I know you are king here, but you are not king in this universe. You are not king of earth. As a matter of fact, all you're doing is warming up a throne that you don't belong on. These strangers from a foreign land these people who had no other kingdoms attached to them came into his throne room and said, you are not the king. But there has been born another. Where is he? They were not ashamed to speak of what was not in existence till that day. They were faithful followers of God. They had no problem challenging others. You can only question such authority if you believe that God is present with you. You can only face such adversity if you are confident in your relationship with God. I remember when I was younger, when I first started following after Christ, I didn't care, and now I'm not saying this should be advice, but I didn't care. If I felt God put a passion on my heart, I went for it. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care how young I was. I didn't care about the adults in my life who said, you probably can't do this. You're still a child. I did not care. Because I used to say, where I am young, my God is old. see, the Magi were not one bit fearful of the question that they asked Herod. What we see as a potential situation of contention, what we see as a potential situation where you're going to die, they said, man, it's Tuesday. This was nothing. This was a normal day in our life. You can only be this candid when you have no doubts of who God is and what he is capable of. So the Magi, the first two, is they were extremely influential people. They had 
40. And number two, they were these magi, not all magi, but these specific ones were unashamedly faithful followers of God. Now, knowing a little bit about the magi and who they were, we ask the question how does this relate to us? Maybe some of you have already gotten some of those answers. Maybe some of you have heard of who they are and say, man, I need to be unashamedly Christian or a follower of Christ. And when my co-workers and friends and people at school are saying something like, yeah, you know, the Bible, they're cool stories, but it's all fiction. You need to step up and say, look, I have experienced these stories. I have experienced these miracles. I had a child that was two months premature. The other day I was talking to a co-worker. She had a child or her friend had a child that was six months premature. And now that child is a healthy baby boy. Miracles exist. We are testaments of the living God. Maybe we need to not be ashamed of him. In truth, maybe he needs to be ashamed of us, but he is not. He still sends us out to do his missions. He still sends us out to, to speak to his people. He still forgives us and gives, gives us other chances. And he shows grace and mercy upon us. He delivers us when we deserve death. And he defends us when we need it. So how does this relate to us? We're going to go through three points. The first is the Magi and we need to pursue Christ over all other responsibilities. To the Magi, the pursuit of Christ took precedence over all other responsibilities. The scriptures tell us that the Magi or these wise men were influential and often held positions advising kings. But being aware of Christ's birth, they said, peace out. I gotta go seek after a king greater than the one I currently serve. I gotta seek after a king above all other responsibilities that I have. I am no longer gonna govern the lands. I am no longer gonna advise you in agriculture and talk to you about math and sciences. I need to travel a far distance to find a child that has been born king of the Jews. However, in our daily lives, the pursuit of Christ often takes a back seat to everything. Every person, every action, every emotion, everything. Important or not, Christ tends to ride shotgun when he should be driving. Television, movies, fitness, shopping, eating, family, friends, marriage, God, children, pets, work, homework, cleaning, relaxation, rest, sleep, hygiene, vacations, birthdays, money, emotions, anger, pride, unforgiveness, personal desires. Christ tends to be second best in our lives. And sometimes second best is a promotion. 
To the Magi, the pursuit of Christ took precedence. Understand this. Christ is not telling you, stop eating. Stop showering. Don't celebrate birthdays. Don't love your husband and your wives. What he is telling you is when you do those things, you need to infuse me within your culture. So you need to infuse me when you go to that birthday party. You need to be me at that birthday party. Don't be doing bong hits and jumping up on counters and doing all that other stuff. You need to represent me. You need to be the designated driver for that party. If you're doing your homework, don't cheat. Be diligent. Get it done. Infuse him into what you do. If you're eating good, that's fine. We ate a lot yesterday. But he's saying take the time to be thankful for the food. He's not saying pray every single time, you know, before breakfast, lunch, dinner, before you eat a snack. Before you. He's not saying, but he's saying be thankful that you live in a land of opportunity that you can drive to a store, you can walk to a store, you can pick up something and you can eat it because not many people have that privilege. If you like to be clean, praise God, because we like it too. But praise God for the ability to have running water. Proper plumbing. Toothpaste. I mean, where Ann and I live, sometimes the water just, they have to shut it off. So we wake up in the morning, go to turn it on, and there's no water. I'm like, what are we going to do? It's like the day just stops. Call my mom, hey mom, I'm coming over for a shower. It's just, it's a terrible feeling. You gotta wait there, it's just, you can't brush your teeth, you can't take a shower, it, it's nothing. It's, it's, it's terrible. Praise God that we have proper plumbing. We don't think of those things. And all that we do make sure Christ takes center stage. And it's just that simple. Number two. So the first one is Christ needs to take precedence over all other responsibilities. Parents, I'm talking to you too. Over your children. Oh, that's so tough. Number two. The Magi were fearless warriors. They were fearless of man. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, If God is for us, who is against us? That is not a rhetorical question. You're really trying to figure it out. If God is for us, agape, if God is for this church, who can stand against us? Who can knock down our doors? Psalm 118, 6 and 7 says, The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. Man. Yes. Don't be hindered by those who challenge you. Don't be hindered by those who hate you. Don't be hindered by your enemies. Look upon, look at them with satisfaction. Like, what can you do to me? 
The Magi were fearless. They walked into the throne room of Herod and looked at him and said, I can nothing to me. Where is the real king? And Herod could not do anything to them. Their faith in God had no room for fear. They were confident in the words they spoke. Each action was intentional. Every move was methodical. This fearlessness, this confidence, served them when they came before kings, when they took center stage in throne rooms, when they interpreted dreams, and when they challenged nations. The Magi were not arrogant. They were confident, not in themselves, but in the God that they served. Be confident in who your Savior is. Be confident in his power. Be confident in his abilities. Be confident to know that he knows what you need. This confidence in God made them fearless. This faith in God's direction cemented their place these scriptures. We will forever read about these magi because of their confidence and their fearlessness to represent the kingdom of God. Put God first and be fearless. Last point, number three. And this one, I thought the other two might be difficult. This one, to me, the toughest. The Magi were undone. The Magi were unraveled. The Magi in the presence of God loosened everything up and fell to their knees. The Magi were undone. What does it mean to be undone? Have you ever seen a mother after she has just given birth, holding her newborn child. Sweat on her forehead, crying, nose running. Has one of those crying, smiling faces. It's like kind of, right? It's not that attractive, <laughs> all right? Wearing those terrible hospital gowns, like it's not even pretty, no flowers. This is a terrible sight. I'm sorry, I, I, okay, it, it is. But that's what it means to be undone. That's what it means to unravel. They don't care of what they look like, what they see. They, they don't care that someone's taking a picture of them. That's not why they're smiling with the baby, crying face and eyes, so happy. All they care about is that child that is in their arms. Nothing else matters. I am undone. I am unraveled. My life is this child. I've carried this with me for nine months. This child is mine. This child is a gift from God. It is an amazing sight. It is a beautiful sight. It, it, is, it is a testimony to what we need to be in the presence of God. We need to be undone. We are such a stiff culture. We have to be proper. 
We're prominent. We gotta be right. God, if you walk into this building, I'm sorry, I want to bow down, but I can't. Because people may judge me. When you are undone, nothing exists with you and him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, we read it. It says, after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Their beards in the mud in the stable, tears running down their face. As they worshipped him, saliva coming out their mouth, mixture of dirt and goo all up on their face before their king. They became undone. Their knees, their, their legs gave way. There is no other foundation to hold me up but this, this Christ that is before me. Nothing else exists. These Magi were influential people, and so that means they traveled with the caravan. They had many other servants and guards and people present with them. I mean, they didn't carry Frankenstein's gold and myrrh. Gold weighs a lot. You don't have three people walking through you know, the hills carrying this stuff. They had people and animals carrying it. But, but before the presence of Christ, they became undone. Nothing else mattered. I, they didn't care of their influence. They didn't care of their authority. They didn't care if they were a doctor, a nurse, whatever, a mother, a father. They didn't care about anything. They didn't care that Mary was present or Joseph. They didn't care that it was in a barn. They didn't say, what, this is where our Savior's been born? They didn't care about anything. They become unraveled. There's a song that says, you unravel me with your mystery. You surround me with a song. They worship the king. What an amazing picture. What an amazing sight. If you have a photographic thought process, imagine that. Say, God, that is what you require of me. It's not so much that you require of me. It's that if our relationship is on that level, I have no choice but to be undone. Imagine the king of glory walking through those doors today. Imagine the angels singing and the moon lighting up. Imagine all heaven stands still as they see this child. Imagine that this child is the bearer of my salvation. Being a, being a follower of Christ means to put God first. That he takes precedence over all responsibilities that you have. He is your number one responsibility. He is your number one. He is the number one person you go to every day. It means to be fearless. Because if you are with him and he goes before you, who can come against you? 
lastly, in the presence of God, to follow Christ, it means you must be undone. It means you must be unraveled. It means you need to let go of your stiffness and what people think of you. Forget the peer pressure to be okay and proper. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all your body and your flesh. Let it resonate as the king stands before you and know that this king resides in you. That he prepares a place for you in the house of his father. Amen. Thank you. 
if you're a Christian, this is this is your Super Bowl. You know, Jesus has come back. Um, this is our Christian Super Bowl. But it's also one of our lowest turnout services because we have traditions that we do on Christmas Eve. We open presents with our family and we drink apple cider and we do a bunch of other stuff that is not as important as coming in and ringing in Christmas the correct way. It is a fantastic candlelight service. We come, we celebrate Jesus' arrival, and I just really want to encourage all of you. December 24th, 11 o'clock, join us for the Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's something you will absolutely not regret. And um, lastly, we're having a block party. Um, Maria Therese is having a block party. Um, it's going to be next Saturday, December 19th. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be pinatas, jumpers, food, art, etc., and uh, a live presentation from the city council. So if this is something you're interested in, please talk to Maria Teresa next Saturday, December 19th. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Richard, for such an awesome sermon. I think he continues to challenge us every time he comes to speak. But I just uh, was thinking the whole time he was talking about um, when we brought you back to the moment that yeah, he was born. Truly, that all I could think about was thank you, God, for this child, but also for my life. We should have that thankfulness every single day. That's what I got from Richard's sermon. Because life is short. So um, I think we should all just be encouraged to have that intimacy with God. That's the most important thing in the world, despite all of the, the beauty and splendor of what Christmas brings. Really, it's the celebration of God and His unconditional love for us. Sorry, I'm getting too So I know one of the things that you know, and I struggle with so much is finding that time. Um, to be close to God. Um, and it's so important. Nothing else matters. So thank you, uh, Richard, for reminding us of that.